The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts. The Heart of Art, scoping the Brussels Valley for the best artists and bringing them to your radio. Howdy, Aguilana, and welcome back to the KMU Studios. My name is Hector Nino, and you're listening to The Heart of Art. Today in the studios, we have a very special show planned for you. We have our guest here, Matthew Walpert, and he is a fantastical painter, and he is a Texas A&M alum and is currently working at Blink College as an e-learning system specialist. If you'd like to check out his website while we have this discussion, you can go to mattwalpert.com. That's M-A-T-W-A-L-P-E-R-T.com. So hi, Matthew. How are you today? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm really excited for our conversation. Um, I've seen a lot of your pieces mm -hmm. on your social media, and there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but uh, as you may know, uh, I like going through the background of my guests before we go to, into the art. So I wanted to ask you, where are you from? Uh, well, I'm technically I'm from St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. Okay, Canada. Yeah. And how did you get here to College Station? Uh, well, when I was like 10 years old, my parents got a job at the university. So uh, we ended up, well, my dad did. We ended up moving down here. And I've kind of been in the College Station area since then. So, you know. Okay, yeah. so you've been here for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and um, did that move affect your art in any way? It it does in some cases. Um, there are some pieces that I've done that have a lot of rock work in them, or you'll see some water and waves. Um, Newfoundland is an island off the east coast of Canada, so um, if you go look at the beaches around there and stuff like that, um, you know, I, I also think back to there's a there's a piece that I did for my mom way back when that's um, kind of reminiscent of that stuff, right? So it's, all right, yeah, awesome. Yeah, you have a lot of landscapes in there. So, what type of media were you consuming early on? Were there any books that you were really into? Um, like growing up, um, a lot of what I did was or what I read would be like. Typical, what I consider typical fantasy, or Robert Jordan, you know, Wheel of Time, um, Dragon Lance was like uh, the old D and D books, like Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman, who uh, who, who did that stuff, and um, Lord of the Rings, obviously, because right. who hadn't or who didn't read that stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff like that was what I was reading when I was you know growing up. So yeah, you know, I read stuff like that. Right, and I definitely see that because, I mean, I see dragons and goblins and ogres and spirits. So, yeah, it's, it's, it makes sense. <laughs> there's a correlation there. Looking at your art, and there's, like, these characters that 
you can see there's like a backstory to them and and just by looking at it you can kind of tell what's going on like really easily so i was wondering like do you think about the character before you work on a piece and as a whole and then you start painting or how does that work so the way that tends to go is so a lot of times you get a spark for an idea and then it might just be a sketch and then while you're sketching it um, you might just think about a little bit more about when you're trying to fill in specific details about a thing, like um, when you're drawing the eyes, are there going to be bags underneath the eyes? Do I want them to look tired? How big do the eyes, do I want to make the eyes look? Like what's what's the size and, and, and why? What color are they going to be? Does that mean anything? Does it have to mean anything? <laughs> like those are all decisions that you make in the process of, you know, putting together a, a character um, and you have to make those decisions and decide whether they need to be meaningful decisions or not. All right. And um, what does this artistic process look like? Do you start off with a sketch and then you move on? So it's changed over time, um, and I kind of like going about it in two different ways. So um, I have a process where I, when I know exactly what I want to do, um, I will do a sketch. Um, if there's a character involved, I'll do a sketch of that character. I'll probably do a couple sketches of that character, trying to uh, nail down exactly what I want for a feel or something like that. And then a lot of the times I want to put them in a scene, and so I'll think about what's going to be in that scene and how confident I think about presenting things in that scene. And so. Um, sometimes that means doing a little bit of extra research, uh, maybe Google some photographs of comfy chairs that I want somebody to sit in and then sketch comfy chairs until I kind of have the comfy chair feel that I'm looking for. And then that influences what happens when I go and build the final, uh, the final image. Um, and uh, so then I'll do a couple compositions of normally small thumbnails um, where things are going to be because um, you know what where where my dark values are going to be where my light values are going to be um, so that when somebody looks at an image I th I'm hoping that they're going to look at the right parts of it to get the story that right. we were talking about before um, out of it or at least to be able to understand element A and element B are related in some way and then the person who's looking at it ultimately writes the story for what's going on themselves because none of the images actually have a story but there is an implied something that whoever's looking at it decides exactly what that might be right, right. Mm -hmm. uh, and then and the and as much as i like that process the problem is that um, if you stick too strictly to that um, it can make a piece come out really sterile um, so you try and in, you try and introduce a little bit of chaos to it as you're painting it. So you might go in with a plan, but you don't want to necessarily stick exactly to the plan because, right. at least in my cases, if I do that, it can make things feel really like I don't know. I, sterile is the best descriptor that I can have for it. Right. Um, so uh, you know the the other way that I try and I, and do stuff it's kind of like an exercise where you take like a sepia tone paint and you'll just put it on the page mm -hmm. and you might take a paper towel and wipe some of it up or take a brush and try and push it around um, 
let it dry, do another really light wash over it, and same sort of thing, let it dry. Uh, and then take a, a pencil or some colored paper or colored marker and, and, and paint, and then you'll just try and pick images out of the clouds and lines that get left behind. Wow. Um, and so this is kind of like the same thing you do when you're staring at clouds or if you're looking at wood grain and you pick out faces and stuff like that, right? right. It, it's a good creative um, exercise, I think. And so you can get images out of that. So uh, like a, a good example is like if you look at a piece that I did it was Conflict of Fire and Water. It's got like this water dragon and this weird like reddish purple phoenix type thing yes. and stuff like that. I love that one. So that was done with gouache on a, on a piece of gessoed press board. And it started just like that. I just took a sepia tone gouache and threw it on the page or on the board kind of let it set a little bit but then got a white brush and pushed the paint around to try and get like lines and forms and then slowly kind of turned into a thing which is really cool but for every like piece like that that I get out of that I fail a lot more so I'm not guaranteed to be able to make something that I consider like great all the time out of a process like that. But it, it, it also is an exercise in trying to pull things out of what the paint gives you as opposed right. to trying to force the paint to do what you think you want it to do. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find a lot of the times painting is an exercise in control between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, right. There was, uh, while I was here at a and I managed to get into a digital painting class. Mm-hmm. And... Um, Sometimes um, I was with Mary Saslow at the time, Um, but the class would end and everybody would shuffle all their their easels and paintings into the back of the classroom. And uh, I would shuffle myself off back there, too, because I had a little bit extra time. And so I just keep painting because I wanted to. And so the figure drawing class would come in. And they do their thing. And the instructor is just say, like, ignore the guy in the back. He doesn't do what he wants to do. Um, And then they would leave. And sometimes I'd still be there. Still there. Um, and I remember one time the, the instructor of that figure drawing class, which I think was Josh, Joshua Bianchi, Bianco. Oh, man, it's been like 10 years. He came up to me and he's like, so who's winning? You were the painting. <laughs> the and, battle. <laughs> and I still think about that. It's like, I don't know. Like at the time, I, I had no clue what he was even talking about. I was like, what do you mean? So, Is the painting winning? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> but, you know... Um, now I, I still see it, like to me that that kind of concept has morphed into letting the paint sit on the page and then pulling and working with what it gives you. It's so spontaneous. Yeah. And, you know, that battle kind of implies that the painting, it's like its own being in a way. And it's kind of guiding <laughs> you at times. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, you know, some of the coolest stuff, like the stuff that when I, you know, when I see an image and I'm like, oh, my God, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could. <laughs> um, is, you know, if you go to a museum and you can see that there's somebody who has made like only a cut. Co- you can see the brush strokes when you're looking at the, pa- the, the piece really close. You can see them and you can see there's only a couple of them. But then when you stand back, it's this fantastic piece. It's got all this detail, but you know that they didn't sit there and then meticulously make every single mark. Because when you look at it, you, you just see these these few brush strokes that made this fantastic looking image. And you're like, oh my God, if only, if only, if only, if only. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> totally. 
I get what you mean. Um, but I mean, I, I keep going back to what you said that you failed as an artist because the painting then becomes something else. Yeah. I mean, is that really failing? <laughs> well, you bring up, you, you bring up a good point. Right. And, and that is um, sort of like a personal standard, right? Mm-hmm. It's what you want to put out as yours, right? And, and you're the only one who makes that judgment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if you're satisfied with it, if you're not satisfied with it, it doesn't mean that it's a bad image. And there's fun a lot of the times. Like, I have way more fun doing the throw stuff on a page and just mess with the paint than I do, here's my sketch, here's my second sketch, here's my third sketch, here are my thumbnails, this one's the one that I think looks the best, let me try and get that element onto a larger piece, let me try and fit the paint into that square hole that I made, you know... Um, that can be a lot less interesting. And, I, and that also probably, I would say, contributes to some of that sterile feeling that you might get. So you got to find a way to mix it up. Absolutely. Right. And, and you know, um, it's like, like I said, going back to what you said is that are those pieces actually failures? Not really. Right. Yeah. And you can have and you can have as much fun as you want. And if you were to show that to somebody else, if you're thinking about like if, if you're thinking about the selling part of it. If mm-hmm. you could show that to somebody else and somebody else has value in that, right. that's all you need, right? Mm-hmm. Totally. I mean, I'm also now thinking about the details within your paintings. I mean, it's like hyper detail. There's like, you know, small cuts in the skin and then like minute accessories. Like, I don't think that comes off of just throwing paint on a board, right? So like a lot of that is like me getting lost in some of the process that we just talked about mm-hmm. and because that is like, like I said that's what it's a lot of fun for me mm-hmm. is so um, you make some marks and then it's kind of in the right place and now you're like so this part of the painting in the left corner is the part that I know I'm going to have the hardest trouble with and but this part over here in the top right corner I kind of have mapped out I know exactly what I want for it and I can just kind of keep working at it and keep working at it and keep working at it. And it's a lot of fun. And, man, it looks really good. But when you step back, you're like, man, that's a really detailed wall piece of wallpaper in that top right-hand corner. What does it have to do with the face that you're supposed to be focusing on on the left-hand corner, though? <laughs> right? And, right. And, and so it's, it's, a, it's a bit of self-gratification. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know... Part of the reason I do it is because I like doing it, yeah. and it's a lot of fun. Got to try and guide myself to focus that attention <laughs> in the right place. Right. But um, that's you know, it's it's a lot of fun for me to to work out some of those details, and then it's like, uh, and there's a piece that I worked on that's up at the frame gallery right now. It's like that that sort of this old dragon, and you know, like the beard and focusing on getting some of those curves and then making small line marks to represent some of the individual hairs to add that little bit of extra pop or like doing the scales that are the details in the face um you know and and like in the in the mouth that kind of curls into a bit of a smile like to represent that he's old it's like well you know if he's old that's probably a hard part of the body and well, how do you represent that that gets old? Like in a normal person, that's like where it's like wrinkly right. or, or something like that. But 
you know, those are little fleshy bits. Those aren't, you know, but he's got like a hard beak almost. So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to have to add like chips and cracks into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and emphasizing those. It, the thing is, like, it's, it's, a, it's a big piece. It's like 30 inches by 40 inches. You stand... Wow. You stand far back from it. You're not going to see any of that. Like mm-hmm. that's like those details, like in the larger scheme of the picture, they don't really add anything right. until like the person gets interested and walks up a little bit closer and takes a look at it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and so you have this this play too, you know, um, depending on how long you want to work on a piece is a, where you're going to put your time. Right. You know, and what matters. Mm-hmm. So. All right, you guys, we will be going on a quick break, but do not go anywhere. We will be right back. Support for KAMU is provided by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts, presenting The Indigo Room by Timothy White Eagle and the Violet Triangle. A new work rooted in ritual theater, exploring ancient myths of a hero swallowed alive and then returned transformed. Thursday and Friday, September 28th and 29th at 7.30 p.m. in Rudder Auditorium on the Texas A&M University campus. More information at academyarts.tamu.edu. I mean, I love that you're using... um like what you know from humans and applying it oh. to your fantastical realm. I think one of the coolest things that you can do with fantasy is to take um, like fantasy concepts and things and put them into like a real world setting, like an everyday sort of setting and go like, you know, what would this look like? Like, so, so a good example is, is say we go back to that old dragon picture that we were talking mm-hmm. about. So he's, he's sitting there. He's got like this like, uh, old-fashioned cocktail in one hand, and mm-hmm. it's a smoky room. So like he's some dragon that, that is old and probably has money like dragons do because they just hoard wealth. Right. And he's, uh, he like, really likes his whiskey, right? That's kind of, so that's kind of where it's, that image goes. Mm-hmm. But you could take that a step further and go, well, maybe he doesn't just like it. Maybe he owns a distillery. Okay. And so he, he maybe he hires a whole bunch of little newt people, and those newt people run some ginormous copper gem-studded like um, still, right? <laughs> to to make the whiskey that he does. What is what does that look like, right? And so you can f- just follow that trail. You know what right. is is that outside? Is that in some sort of warehouse type building? What does that warehouse building look like? Is it like super technology? Is it? It's probably to me is like more of a steampunk sort of like copper pipes everywhere. Or maybe there's unnecessary gold in places just because it's a dragon. Right. You know. And and so you could you can take that image and think it through and do sketches and so you do sketches of the tiny newt people and what their uniform might look like and get an idea of what the layout might look like and what the still might look like and then try and piece that together and then do sketches to try and get it in some sort of frame for a final image. Right. Um, so if if we're talking about process, that's kind of how I'd approach something like that. I mean, that, I'm, you know? I'm invested in this story. <laughs> when are you going to write it up? <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. But Do you, you know, ever write, by the way? Um, I haven't I haven't tried writing anything no. in a very long time. It's, it's, I, I would not say that I am the best writer. Hmm. Uh, I, I did do creative writing, like I mentioned right. before. But 
I think I was much better on the idea side than I was on the execution side. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm just better at putting it on a page, um, which is what I've always wanted to do ever since, you know, like high school. It's, it's been like, what can I do? I have ideas. Hmm. How can I share them with people? How do I get other people interested in my ideas, <laughs> right? That's what we all so, want. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, it's, there's, there's a little bit of narcissism in that. But, bit. you know, uh, it's, you know, uh, just putting it down on a page and doing it through art is what I wanted to do. And like I said, like initially when I was talking about computer science, getting to the viz because I was good with computers because I could use a computer to do 3D modeling and lighting. And I, that's, how I, that's how I would get my ideas across. Mm -hmm. um, but I just decided that I was a little bit better and more invested in in painting and physical media ultimately is is uh, what I decided to work with so right awesome um, so obviously there's a lot of fantastical realms in your paintings um, I was wondering whether you think of the quality of the work or is it more about escaping this world um, I, I don't know why that has to be mutually exclusive mm -hmm. um, I, I'm I'm less about escapism because I kind of like to draw like real world stuff into like some of my my things right like yeah. like I said is 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 that I'm gonna go back to that same old dragon <laughs> picture um, the reason that that came about that I decided that that's the picture I wanted to draw is um, me and some friends, uh, probably back in March, I think, we decided we wanted to have a really good dinner. So we went out to the Republic. Mm -hmm. um, and a couple of my friends there had some whiskey, and we started talking about smoking whiskey, and I started looking into, like, um, what's involved with that and what's out there, and we talked about different cocktails. And so over the summer, I had been experimenting with that. So I was like, well, if I want to do a painting what kind of paintings can I do? Well, you know, what kind of fantasy creature is going to drink an old-fashioned cocktail? It's probably like an old-fashioned dragon, right? Totally. <laughs> you know, especially with that extra sort of smoke and char that you might get from, like, breathing fire, you know? It makes a smoky room and stuff. So that's, you know, that kind of informed the picture that I wanted to make, um, and that's the reason why it turned out the way it did, you know? Right. So. You want to incorporate the real world. Right. It's, it's not necessarily about escaping it. Mm -hmm. um, but it is also cool to kind of think about those things in odd, like, fantastical terms that aren't necessarily real because it lets you bring in a little bit more imagination. Uh, <laughs> I probably started doing fantastical creatures because nobody could tell me what I did was wrong. Totally. Right? <laughs> yeah. if, if I draw a fantastical creature, you can't tell me. It doesn't look like that. Right? Whereas if you draw a person and their 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 eye is just a little too far to the right, you'll be like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> right. I don't know about that. So you could say I'm kind of running away from my problems <laughs> with a uh, with a thing like that, and it's not really a good excuse to do that. But, but you know, still. <laughs> yeah, I, th that makes sense. <laughs> Complete sense. Um, I also see a lot of like blending of different fantastical archetypes i know i mean there was like pirates goblins or pirate yeah. elves i don't i'm not sure but um also like an ogre genie mm -hmm. like is that one of your goals to kind of like give something that's not expected so it's it's not um 
it's not something I specifically look for. In the case of like that ogre genie painting, that was practicing watercolor, and it was definitely one of those pictures I pulled out of by throwing paint on a page oh, yeah. and then pulling out the things that I saw mm -hmm. in it. And um, uh, you'll find that in almost any case where you put stuff on a page, you can always make like three dots and you can be like, there's two eyes and a nose, and you can almost always at least pull a face out of anything. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's an easy place to start. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how that piece started. It also, it's, it was one of those exercises of seeing what I could do. Mm -hmm. in, in the terms of the, um, the, the goblins, uh, I started that piece because goblins are to me in my mind like really small stupid petty creatures mm -hmm. um, that do a lot of stupid funny things and so they're really easy to use as like like dumb things that you can laugh at mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to do a piece that was um, an exercise in multiple subjects I have a tendency to focus on two subjects in a lot of my pieces mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of implied this or that between the two things that are in there and it helps to build it story because if you put two things in a picture they're going to look like they're connected right. um, uh, but I wanted to try doing multiple things and grouping them and trying to find a way so that people would guide their their, their eye around the image so to see what's going on um, I also drew a whole bunch of birds that kind of reminded me of like dodo birds from um, like old Acme cartoons you know because like in that image um, there's there's the stupid goblin who's in charge who's sitting on a couple boxes and a rowboat that is crashed up against these rocks and he's just wagging a saber at these other goblins that are like I don't I don't know and they're trying to climb up this poop-ridden rock in the middle of the ocean to get to the dodo birds at the top and one of them has like an amulet with a gem at the very top right mm. and so you can kind of pull a bunch of that stuff out of that. But yeah. the goblins are looking really dumb. One of them is just ignoring them eating something. One of them is like pointing a dagger at a bird that's on a rock on the complete other side of the painting. And then there's a bunch of them that are like hanging off about to fall off, right? So it's, 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 a, it's about having fun and is about the puzzle of how to arrange the elements um, it incorporates a lot of things that, like I said, I like, but like if we talk about coming from Newfoundland, um, like the water that's there, the, mm -hmm. you know, the, w the waves that are breaking on the rocks and, um, you know, again, rocks, lots of rocks. <laughs> You'll find a lot of rocks if you look for them in my pictures. Um, you know, so that's kind of where something like that comes from. Uh, it, I normally when I'm working on a piece, try and find something that I'm weak at. And that's mm -hmm. something that um, I try and practice on. Um, like in, in the, um, I, I, I think that I have a lot of work to do when it comes to landscapes, for example. And it was one of the driving factors behind the working of the, one of my more recent pieces that I finished in January called Against Giants. Um, where you kind of got this sort of wizard character um, who's got like green magic and in the distance you see 
what looks to be mountains, but th some of the mountains have like red dots and imply that there's like some giant moving like masses of rock. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I really had never tried to do a wide landscape like that before. So it was a practice on doing that and trying to frame that. Um, it was also me practicing how to do clouds. I think clouds are one of my the w things that I'm the weakest at as well. And that's probably the first time I feel like I've done like clouds to me that I felt were pretty decent, you know. Um, so I, I try and work in not just these fantasy elements that I want to do, but I, I also try and do things that I'm weak at so that I can try and get better at them as well. So. Right. Awesome. Um, I mean, yeah, that piece looks like it came directly from a, like the illustration of a book. <laughs> I mean, I was wondering, have you ever thought about it, like illustrating for a book? It, I would not be adverse to the idea mm -hmm. for sure. So if people want to, you know, exercise those muscles, where, where can they check your art? <laughs> so, so right now, if you are in the Bryan College Station area, you can you can go to the Frame Gallery. Um, I have there's some stuff up on a wall in the frame gallery. Uh, it's just down the road from the RX Pizza. Um, and if you uh, you know want to check me out on the web, you can go to um, mattwalpert.com, which is M-A-T-W-A-L-P-E-R-T.com, and you can uh, see my stuff there. Mm -hmm. And I encourage everyone to do so. There's a lot to look at, and you are for sure going to be entertained. Uh, well, thank you so much, Matthew, for stopping by and talking to us about your art. Thank you. It was great. I'm Hector Nino, and you've been listening to The Heart of Art, a production of 90.9 KAMU-FM. You can find all of our shows anytime at kamu.tamu.edu. The Heart of Art is brought to you by the Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts at Texas A&M University, bringing innovative and culturally diverse visual and performing arts programming to Texas A&M University and the Brazos Valley. The Academy for the Visual and Performing Arts fosters the creativity of our community via the transformative power of the arts. The Heart of Art is sponsored in part by the Texas A&M University Art Galleries, which includes the Stark and Forsyth Galleries located inside the MSC. The galleries provide a variety of opportunities to experience art exhibitions, events, and hands-on activities. More information at uart.tamu.edu.